Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Twilight Nine Podcast. This is episode 26. I'm your host, Riley. This week, a bunch of stuff to talk about. Waste Management Phoenix Open was fantastic. It outperformed everything that I thought was going to happen. The field was loaded, so I guess something was going to happen. But Saturday and Sunday was some of the best golf that we've had recently, especially with the fans. You forget kind of the impact that fans have on golf tournament when you haven't had them there since... I mean, I don't even really, we had a we had some fans at a smaller tournament late last season, but like fans, fans, we haven't had them since the Arnold Palmer. I know they were there at the players, but that was only one day. So you forget what meaningful golf means to the people that are there, and the fans make such a big impact for TV viewing. Like we'll talk about it in a little bit, but Brooks Kepka, uh, his chip in on seventeen on Sunday, having fans there made that moment just. 20 times bigger and better than what it would have been if it was just in silence and the players were like, oh, good shot. It was crazy. So the waste management was sick. Brooks Kepka gets the win. And finally, he's like back. And we'll talk about that later. The only major winner. He only performs for the big tournaments, and that is not the case. He gets back. I think this this was actually his first professional win, I think, back at uh, 2015. He won the uh, waste management for his first win, I think. Uh, but he gets he's back in the winner circle, so that's good for Brooks. Uh, we're gonna do some headlines real quick, and then end the show with the betting segment in the in depth in depth preview of the Pebble Beach Pro Am without the amateurs. It's only pros just because of COVID nineteen and everything going on, obviously. So we're gonna talk about that, get our bets in. We had another good week, another week in the green. We'll go over that in a little bit, but we're looking to keep the train rolling. Three winning weeks in a row, in a row, so. We're getting there, man. We're making some money. First, let's go over some headlines. Uh, Justin Thomas lost his grandfather early Sunday morning before his final round in Phoenix. Very tough. You could obviously see it affected him. Uh, he wasn't in the right mindset to play golf. And, I, man, good on him for playing golf. I know that's probably what his grandfather would have wanted was him to go play golf. But that is just very tough circumstances just because he was so close to his grandfather. Uh, that family's very tight. Golf is what that family does. Uh, JT's dad is a golf professional. So was his grandfather. So that, that family is very, very close. So that's a bummer for him and uh, his dad, Mike, but he showed up, played an okay round. I mean, I don't know what you want to do. I think he shot plus one, maybe, uh, made an Eagle on 17 from a bomb hit like a 50 footer. Uh, but condolences go out to the Thomas family. Uh, world number one. Dustin Johnson wins in Saudi Arabia. The dude's just a machine. 
he's the best player in the world right now. It's really not even close. Um, I think he's only plus 400 to win this week at Pebble Beach, which we'll get to, obviously, when we go more in-depth about this this week's tournament. But what he's doing right now is insane. And that Saudi tournament is loaded. Tony was there, and Tony, again, choked, which is the next headline. But what Dustin Johnson is doing right now to the game of golf is kind of disrespectful. Next one, Tony Finau finishes tied for second. Yet another top 10 finish. I don't know what's going on with Tony. Uh, He played like shit down the stretch on Sunday in Saudi. He's got to figure it the fuck out. It's incredible what that guy's doing right now. I mean, he's a cash cow. He's making a bunch of fucking money. But at some point, you just have to win. And I thought he would have went to the desert last week. I think that's what he should have done. He's played there a lot. He's had very good success there in the past. He lost in a playoff last year to Webb Simpson. I think that's the spot that he should have went at to try to get that win. But of course, when the Euro tour wants to pay you millions of dollars just to show up at the tournament, that's what you do. Go chase that bag. Uh, But I think he should have played in Phoenix, but Tony Finau, another top 10, another top five. And then last thing we talk about uh, Rory, obviously, um, and his quote and stance on the USGA and RNA's distance ruling. So they did a whole thing looking into distance, looking into rolling back equipment, the golf ball, and it cost them millions and millions of dollars. And somebody asked, once the report came out, asked Rory about it. And Rory in the conference room wasn't like crazy outspoken about it, but then he got outside the conference room where he was asked more questions and he kind of like laid in and really voiced his opinion. It was awesome because he hit, hit the nail right on the head. They wasted a bunch of money trying to roll back distance just because 0.0001% of golfers in the world can do what pros do, right? They're changing the rules of golf based on a a minuscule population of golf. It's those pros, the college players that are able to carry the golf ball 310 yards and what the company and the USGA aren't thinking about is the 99.99% of golfers that need help with distance, need help getting off the tee, need forgiveness, need the ball to go further to be better at golf. And that's what kind of Rory was saying is you have to focus on that and growing the game and including more people and spending these millions of dollars not to roll back everything, all the equipment, the balls, all that kind of shit. You spend that money and get minorities more in the game. You get younger people in the game to grow the game. So in 20 years, the game's growing in one of the bigger sports in America, not continuing to put fences up and blocking these people from not being able to golf because when they go, the equipment's not as good as it could be, and then they suck. And that's not like people aren't going to play a sport that they suck at all the time. Sure, they might stink at first, and then you get a lesson or whatever, and then you get better. But if the equipment is there and it's rolled back, and it's not as good as it could be, it's going to be much difficult. It's just going to be way too hard to get good at golf if that's the case. And I don't know. That's just not the way to grow the game, and Rory nailed it right on the head. That's what he said. Um, So props to Rory for saying that. But headlines out of the way. Waste management time. Brooks Kepka gets the win, like I said, in a very exciting fashion. It was crazy. It was such a fucking good tournament. We're going to talk about Spieth in a second, but it was just such a good tournament. Um, so Brooks, if you guys don't know, does not have a club contract, so he can play whatever he wants, whenever he wants, just put it in the bag and play it. So he has Strixon irons in there right now, which I've hit Strixons in the past. I'm not a huge fan, um, but multiple guys on tour do play them. 
he had a Strixon driver in the bag, I think, for the last couple of weeks. But this week he took it out and put in the new TaylorMade Sim 2. And obviously that paid dividends. He was 10th in uh, driving distance, averaging 321 off the tee, which is huge. I mean, that's hitting the driver a really long way. So that made pretty much the difference for Brooks. Um, he tied the lead with a birdie on 15, the par five, then hits it greenside. The pin was back right on the par four 17th. And if you guys didn't catch the tournament, the 17th at TPC Scottsdale is like a drivable par four where you can miss miles to the right, but there's water behind and to the left of the green. So if you hook a tee shot or slice a tee shot, if you're a lefty, the ball's going to find water if you hit a big club. And he hits it greenside, and he's kind of in a tricky situation. He's got um, he's got sprinkler heads up near the green, and he doesn't really know where to land it. And then he decides, and he plays, and he hits this pitch into the hill, goes up on the green, rolls out like a putt right in for eagle, two-shot lead, and the place goes fucking bananas. And that's what you miss with no fans there, especially when you're watching it on TV, right? It's tough to get super amped up about golf, when there's just no one cheering for it. Just like that tournament, it was one of the first tournaments back from COVID-19. It was, I think, I forget what tournament it was. Daniel Berger beat Morikawa in a playoff. And it was like the least exciting thing of all time, just because there was no one there yelling and screaming, and you miss those moments. Like the perfect explanation of one, there's two. When DJ hit that like 40-foot snake, to force the playoff at the BMW championship. And then Rom comes back and buries like a 60 footer or when JT hit like a 50 footer at the, it's not the career builder. What the hell do they call that? It was a tournament before the Memorial, but it was at Jack's place and JT hits like a 50 footer. And then Colin Morikawa buries like a 25 footer right on top of it. And it's just the only person you can hear celebrating is Justin Thomas. It's such a bummer when that shit happens. And this week with the fans back, you have that moment of, holy shit, Brooks Kepka just won that golf tournament. Like, that's the shot. And it was just so sick. Um, on holes 13 through 18, which at TBC Scottsdale is like the portion of the golf course where you really need to score, right? There's a couple par fives in there. The 16th is usually a short par three. Um, it's like a pitching wedge to like a nine, uh, like an eight iron for most of the guys. So you can birdie that hole. It's a tricky little green, but you can birdie that. 17 is very birdieable, obviously, because you can drive the green. And then 18 is not bad either. A good driver, the ball is going to have a wedge into that green. So you really need to take advantage of those holes, that stretch. And Brooks for the week played that stretch 10 under. So that's where you get the ground. You play the holes that you're supposed to play very, very well, which is exactly what he did. And then he makes moves on the rest of the golf course, and he played fantastically. And that's And Brooks winning is like, the biggest clear sign to me why golf is just so confusing and so hard to bet on, right? Coming into this week, he missed three straight cuts and then he kind of comes out of nowhere and just wins. Like it's fucking insane. Golf is just like that one little switch goes off and bang, he's back to winning. In the interview after the round though, he he explained that he was pretty happy with the way he was playing, even though he wasn't making cuts he was just saying that he was playing well, but he was having a hard time just scoring, right? You're not making putts, not putting yourself in better situations on the green, so you're making pars instead of birdies. 
that's kind of where he was struggling. He wasn't scoring, but he knew that it was kind of coming around the corner. And obviously he was right because he gets the win. Uh, and it's good to see Brooksy back. Uh, he's over the last like 18 months, two years, he's really been struggling with injury. And this is kind of the first sign that we saw him kind of injury free, really rotating into that lead side, really getting back to the right side in the backswing. And he's doing the golf swing looks really, really good. He looks healthy for the first time in a while. And that's bad for the rest of golf because he's all the way down at 12th in the world golf rankings. And I can assure you he is going to want to improve on that very shortly, very quickly. Um, for the week, he was ranked 11th strokes gained off the tee, second in approach where that's where he really, really had it dialed in. I mean, his iron into 15 on Sunday, uh, two, two tennis, I think he had into that green. So high, so pure. He probably hit like a six iron, maybe a seven iron. Money. His his swing just looked fantastic. And then he was 18th on the greens. So I had a pretty good week on the greens. And then you compare that with a great tee to green game. Brooks just had an overall fantastic week. Just very, very consistent golf. And it's good to see him back back winning golf tournaments. Next guy we got to talk about is uh, the guy that we picked in this Twilight Nine card to win. And it looked really good. The pick looked really good for a really long time. And then he kind of choked on Sunday. Shot even. That's Xander Shoffley. He was one of the leaders going into the final round with Jordan, and then I thought it was just the perfect opportunity for him to grab a win, and I explained this last week on the show. He's never finished outside the top 20 at this event. He's coming in insane stretch of golf. I bring it up a lot, but he hasn't finished outside the top 25 since the RBC Heritage. Like He's playing absurd golf, and at some point, you just need to win, just like Tony, right? At some point, you just need to win. You're up there all the time. You need to close it, and this is was the spot that I thought he would do that just because he has such good experience in history at this golf course, but he just could not get it done. He couldn't get anything going on Sunday. Like I said, shot an even par 71. He made birdie on 15, which was big. And then he made birdie on 16, which was huge. He put it to, I think like nine feet and then made the putt across the green, which was monster, uh, especially in the arena, had the crowd going a little bit. And then he was only one back going into the very birdieable, very gettable 17th, right? The drivable hole. All you got to do is hit it out to the right, chip up, make the putt. And then now you're tied for the lead going into 18 that all you Xander would have is a wedge. And he steps up to the 17th, snap hooks it into the water, doesn't get up and down, and he bogeys the hole. And that was kind of it. Just because now you need eagle on 18 just to tie the lead. And that means you got a hole out from the fairway. And credit to him, put it in the rough, right-hand side, over the bunkers, which was big. Obviously, bunker make that tougher. And then he hit it to like seven feet, and it was right over the stick. It was tracking it the entire way. And it was one of those moments where I hit the green, and you kind of like put your hand on the couch, like, holy shit. Like, that was close. Didn't drop, made the putt, ended up tying for second, and... Just a crazy stat. This was his 10th runner-up finish since the start of the 2016-2017 season. So you're like, wow, he's up there a lot. This was his eighth time finishing runner-up just since his last win in 2019 at the Tournament of Champions. So in little more than two seasons, two years, calendar years, he's finished second eight times and hasn't won. He just has to get on the board. It's insane the amount of golf that he's – it's just crazy. Um, this week, fourth strokes game putting, second off the tee, and then he lost a little in his iron game. He was 39th in approach. His his tee game was crazy. He played with Rory the first couple days in featured groups, so I watched him a lot. 
and he was hitting it with roars. He's got the speed. He's got such a beautiful golf swing. He gets to the top and then kind of just leaves his arms there and just rotates with hella speed through the through the ball. So balanced. It just looks really, really good. Plays a nice little draw. When he's at his best, he's playing a draw. And usually it carries over into his irons, but he struggled with his irons a little bit. Didn't give himself enough looks on Sunday. He was kind of coming up short of greens a lot. Um, even with his touchy shots, like pitches around the green, he was just short. Um, so that was kind of a bummer, definitely to see our pick kind of choke it away on Sunday. Um, but he played really well. Obviously, T second, you're going to take that. Next up, you have to talk about Spieth. Got to talk about Jordan. It is so, and I'm, I'm going to mention this in a second, but watching Jordan play on Saturday was the first time I think I had that much fun. I couldn't remember the last time I had that much fun watching golf, probably since Tiger at the Masters, right? He, for some reason, Jordan Spieth has that effect on the golf world, right? When Jordan has it going, it's just fun to watch. And I think it's because, and I saw golf Twitter was kind of talking about this, it's the flat stick, right? When he, he's such a good putter. And the cheers come from putts. They don't come from off the tee, right? The PGA Tour is all worried about rolling back distance and all that shit. And obviously, when you get the top 10 guys, they hit it a fucking mile. But the rest is they're just like good drivers of the golf ball, good iron players, and good putters. And Jordan's one of those guys that's not super crazy. He's not short off the tee, but he's also not long. He's right around, what, 305 maybe if I had to guess for driving distance. But he makes the difference up with his putter. And that's where the excitement in golf is, is when you start hitting putts, when these guys start hitting putts. During Saturday's round, Rory hit a bunch of fairways, hit a bunch of greens to like 12 feet, which I'm going to go over when we talk about him. And he just didn't make any putts. So it was the most boring round of golf of all time. Jordan was closing his eyes and hitting 50 footers all day on Saturday. And that's why golf's exciting that's when golf is at its best is when somebody's draining them from everywhere and it's just so good to see him getting back into contention he didn't even win but this is just a gigantic step in the right direction for Jordan Spieth and I can't wait to see what he does at Pebble this week because he's won there before it's a course that he's comfortable with coming into or coming off a week where he played very well so who knows what Jordan's gonna do this week I'm I cannot cannot wait to watch him again just because Saturday was just so, uh, it was just amazing. Um, obviously, he's going through some swing changes, and it obviously derailed his game, right? He hasn't won since the Open in 2017. He's been working a lot with his coach, McCormick, um, and he lost some confidence, obviously. And he, he's very candid about it. Like, when he was playing golf, he was more worried about mechanics than just like, what's my number, Greller? Let me, give me the club, let's go. Right, he's not playing golf. He's... He's thinking mechanics and not like where to put the shot. And that's not how you play good golf, right? You need to be free swinging out there when you're playing golf. And that's just not what he did. But this week, he was totally different. When he was cruising on Saturday, they weren't talking, oh, my hand's in the right spots here, 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 all the way down. What am I doing? Am I releasing the club too early? No, he was getting the number from Greller and just hitting it. And it was amazing. Um, obviously Sunday didn't go the way that he wanted it to. He didn't play great, but I still think it's just such a big step in the right direction for Jordan to get into contention with a loaded field. I mean, the waste management had, had Rory was there. Brooks was there, like, you guys know, like it was loaded and he was up in contention. It was awesome. He led the field in stroke stained approach, which was the last thing that I saw coming because on the season he was ranked 204th in that category on tour. 
So I don't know what happened since his last start or since the start of the season, but holy shit, was it different this week? It was crazy. And then he was 13th on the green. So back to being a little bit Jordan-esque on the greens, which was really good to see. And then the last thing we got to talk about is my guy. Um, Pretty disappointing week. I mean, he backdoored a top 15, but he was never really up there. Um, It's just frustrating watching our guy play golf sometimes. Like Sunday was sick. He went out and shot 64, and that was awesome because he was hitting everything. Um, But Saturday was one of the most frustrating rounds of golf I think I've ever watched. I'm going to list off some numbers, and these are approach shots that he hit and the length he had for birdie on that hole that he missed. So on Saturday, he missed a 13-foot birdie putt, an 8-foot birdie putt, a 6-foot birdie putt, 17, 6 feet, 5 feet, 13 feet, 13 feet. Crazy. I know those 13 feet and the 17 or whatever, those kind of toss-ups, right? That's less than what, 40% probably, 30%. But when you miss four birdie putts inside of 10 feet, that is crazy. Talking borderline tap, like five footers, six footers. Are you kidding me? It's insane. That easily could have been, and they were talking about a PGA tour live that could have easily been 66 on the low end. He was striking the ball. Fantastic. Driver looked Okay. It was a little wayward at times. He was getting himself into trouble, but it was just so, it was just so frustrating to watch, man. Cause he's just so close. And then Sunday, he makes one little change. He comes out, shoots 64, nine birdies, and made everything. And that change was, which I would never thought I would see him do it because he's very like, he's not a good potter, but he's very free-flowing with it, and he doesn't do much. He just picks a spot like a foot in front of the ball and just hits the putt. Sunday, if you saw, he was going down with the line on his ball and matching it to the line that he wanted, and then he like any amateur, right? You use a line on the ball, like most JT, most guys putt like that. And Rory did it. And then he made nine birdies and shot 64. So I don't know if that's going to be something that he continues to do, but obviously it fucking worked. So I would, the next time we see him, which I think is the Genesis, I I would be surprised if he didn't do that again, because obviously it worked and something clicked, right? He's starting him on a better line. Cause when you see him miss these short putts, they're not even like online. Like he's just reading them wrong or they're pushing or pulling or something's going on. When you have that line, you're really focused on line because his speed's usually pretty good. It's the line that he doesn't get right. So who knows if that's going to help him. That's going to be a sick little change if it does because he needs to putt better. And then let's recap some of the bets real quick. So Rory top 10, that was a miss. He actually almost backdoored it, which would have been sick. Um, he was, when he was coming down the stretch on Sunday, I was starting to get a little, like he was inside the top 10 at one point and then he made bogey and then he came right back and made birdie. And I was like, Holy shit, he might backdoor this. Uh, but then he ended up being a couple of shots outside the top 10, but still close ish. Um, we had JT for a top 10. That was a miss. Um, he was inside the top 10 going into Sunday, but obviously with the circumstances with his grandfather, I mean, you can't be mad at missing that one. He was he. You cannot play a good round of golf in that condition with those circumstances. Um, so we missed that one too. Can't imagine when he was going through. It's crazy. He also he tied with Rory T thirteen. We had Will Zalatoris top twenty that hit, which was huge. Very nervous about that one, but that he ended up birdieing uh, seventeen on Sunday. 
He hit it to the green. He had like 80-something feet. He two-putted for birdie. And then he parred out of the fairway bunker on 18 to lock up. I think he finished T17 maybe, somewhere in there, T17, T16. Uh, But that was plus 175, so that was a huge hit. Then we also hit Bubba Watson top 30. uh, Great six under on Sunday to get up to the leaderboard. That was plus 120. Um, Max Homa top 40, we missed that. The dude couldn't buy a putt for shit all week. It was crazy. He even said it on he said it on Twitter. I think his tweet said um I hit my 8 iron straighter than my putter today or this week. So, he's going to be a guy to watch at Pebble, which I'll go over in this, like later in the show. But missed that one. That was a bummer. Uh one shot out of the top top 40. Strokes gained wise, he was 52nd on the greens, 57th off the tee, but then strokes gained approach. His iron play was money. He was 3rd in the field this week. So we shot a final run one under, but just couldn't get it done for us. And then our last bet did hit Luke List top 40. Easy hit, T30 plus 125. So for the week, another week in the green, plus 120 for the Waste Management Phoenix Open, plus 1.2 units. So let's keep it going. I think that puts us at like plus four, like over four units for the last like three weeks, I think. So that's that's big. That's a that's a big couple of weeks. So we're looking forward to keeping that going. Finally, last segment of the show, let me get some vitamin water. Last segment of the show, Twilight Nine card. Um, we're looking forward to it. Let's do a little bit of preview for the uh, AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. And I love coming back to Pebble. It's such an amazing golf course, such an amazing venue. Spyglass is the other course that's here in rotation, and you can't get better than the Monterey Peninsula. Um, so when this tournament comes around, we're very, very excited about it, but due to COVID-19, it's a little bit different because there's not going to be amateurs. You guys aren't going to be able to watch Tom Brady's played in it. Aaron Rodgers is playing, has played in it. Um, Bill Murray's always in it. So we're not going to be able to watch Murr, but it might actually be a good thing because you can kind of set up Pebble to what they normally would like a little bit more challenging. And then the rounds aren't going to take fucking six, seven hours to finish because amateurs are out there. Right. So it might be a little bit better this year. Who knows? It's gonna be it's gonna be nice to just see the guys just play pebble, right? Instead of having to chauffeur a bunch of amateurs around. So we'll see how it goes. Um, world number one, Dustin Johnson is back, fresh off his win in Saudi Arabia. Um, like I said, somebody's gonna have to beat him this week. I don't see him finishing outside of the top five, but we'll get into. I don't I, betting wise. I don't think I'm gonna touch DJ. There's just absolutely no value there. Uh, but he's in the field this week. The rest of the field, uh, lefty, Phil Mickelson's back on tour this week, looking to win this event for the sixth time. Crazy. He loves Pebble Beach. Uh, Jordan Spieth, like I already mentioned, showed signs of his old self in Phoenix, and he's back uh, on tour, right back to it, and he's also won at Pebble. So this might be a good spot for him to get another high finish, maybe a top 10. We'll see. I haven't decided if I'm going to target Jordan at all this week just because I don't know if he's going to go back to sucking and who knows. Who knows? I love Jordan. I'm a big Jordan fan. Um, I just would want to see it maybe a couple weeks in a row, and then you start attacking him for the top 30s or top 40s, right? Especially in a field like this, it's not super deep. Like, you get to the value guys very quick on the board. So Jordan's one of the marquee guys, so there's just not, like, a lot of value for Jordan this week. Last week, he was plus 12,000 to win the um, waste management. I think this week he's, like, plus 3,000. So there's just, like, no value in this this, uh, short field. Uh, Paul Casey, he also recently won on the European tour. He is at Pebble this week, along with 
Patrick Cantlay, Will Zalatoris, Daniel Berger, and Jason Day, who Jason Day is also a big fan of Pebble. Speaking of Pebble, par 72, 7,051 yards, Jack Neville, Douglas Grant, 1919 design, and Poa Green, Spyglass, the other course in rotation. The guys will be playing one or the other the first two days, and then it's Pebble. 36-hole cut from the normal 54-hole cut because obviously no AMs. But Spyglass, par 72, uh, 7,041 yards. Robert Trent Jones Sr. design, 1966, and these are also Poa Greens. Uh, Weather-wise, Thursday, scattered showers, 50% chance of rain, 7 mile-an-hour winds, 59 degrees. Friday is partly cloudy, 20% chance of rain, 12 mile-an-hour winds, 58 degrees. Saturday, showers, 50% chance of rain, 12 mile-an-hour winds, and 57 degrees. And Sunday, scattered showers, 30% chance of rain, 17 mile-an-hour winds, and 57 degrees. So key stats with that weather, um, you're going to need to strike the ball, man. Strokes gained approach, that's the one thing. That's the one thing you're going to need to do really well this week. And just because the pebble greens are already smaller than most courses, um, add that with the weather coming in, a lot of wind, you're going to really need to strike the ball. So strokes gained approach is going to be a huge category to watch this week. On to data golf information, course fit. Number one is Medina. Number two, Shadow Creek Golf Club, which is where they played the Zozo this past season. Um, that's also where like the match between Tiger and Phil was. And then number three is Olympia Fields Country Club. Trending of the players in this field. Number one is Dustin Johnson. His last three starts are a first tied for 11th in a first Patrick Cantlay T17 T13 in second. So he is definitely trending in the right direction. And number three is Paul Casey T8 win T12. So a lot of guys playing a lot of good golf right now. So it's going to be tough to kind of narrow it down. Percent chance to win, baseline, course history, course fit, all that kind of stuff all put together. <laughs> Data Golf gives Dustin Johnson a 24% chance to win. Uh, I have i don't know if I've ever seen that number over like 12. So 24%, that's kind of ridiculous. Patrick Cantlay is at 9.4%. And then Daniel Berger is third at 4.6%. If we go over some of the odds right here, um, it is kind of ridiculous to be completely honest with you, Dustin Johnson plus 400 and to give you any sort of <laughs> glimpse into what Vegas thinks is going to happen this week. Uh, he is minus money for a top five finish. He's minus 137 for a top five. So Vegas, you could say Vegas likes DJ this week. Patrick Cantlay is at plus 1000. Daniel Berger is plus 2000. Paul Casey plus 2000. Will Zalatoris, our guy plus 2800. Jason Day plus 3000. Jordan Spieth, plus 3,000. Francesco Molinari, he's back, plus 3,300. Uh, Siwoo Kim, plus 3,500, who's a name to watch because he's played some pretty good golf recently. Uh, Sam Burns is another guy who's kind of kind of on the uptick here, plus 5,000. Cameron Davis, the Aussie that we like, is plus 5,000. And then you get to Ricky at plus 5,500 and Max Homa, our guy, at 5,500. So there's going to be some uh, – there's definitely some value a little bit down the board. You just got to find it in the right spot. With a weaker field like this, all the value that you kind of get from the guys you go further down the board for is gone because they are raised up the board. So you got to have to gamble with, do you trust this guy enough to kind of shoot up and have a very good week because the value is only at a top 20 instead of a top 40, right? So you really need to like the guy. Um, some of the matchups, uh, as of right now, DraftKings only has the groups up right now, so they don't have single matchups. Um, but they do have 20, 30, and 40 um, when I'm looking at it right now. But like 
Dustin Johnson's minus 5,000 for a top 40 finish. So you would have to bet $5,000 on DJ to finish in the top 40 and you would win a hundred. Like, it's just crazy what they think about DJ this week. Um, but let's talk about, let's talk about some bets, man. Let's get into it. The first guy we're going to mention is our guy. We're going to, he heard us last week without the top 40, but I think this is a perfect spot for Max to kind of bounce back. So that's Max Homa. Uh, he ranked third last week in strokes and approach again in a loaded field, which in my opinion is definitely going to be the most important stat at Pebble Beach this week. You really are going to need to strike your irons and he's doing that almost as good as anybody on tour right now. His swing looks perfect. And all of a sudden he's like kind of sneaky long. He's bombing it off the tee. So he's 1000% going to be on the card later this week on Wednesday. Um, he mentioned on Twitter, like I already brought up in the show, that he just needs to focus on the putter. He just needs to get that putter going. He hit his eight iron straighter than his putter last week in Phoenix. Um, in 2020, he had a T14 here. And in 2019, he had a T10. So he likes Pebble. He's plus 275 for a top 20 right now. I'm not sure if I'm going to take that. If I go over real quick to the top 30s, you can get max for plus 110. So he's still value for a top 30. But again, you almost just to get the good value, you almost need to trust him to have a top 20 finish, which I might this week, just because I think this is a great spot for him to bounce back, especially at a course the last two years that he's loved, right? Two, two top 15 finishes. I could see him doing it again. Um, another guy, this is where we got to start finding value, right? Because it's tough. So Kyle Stanley, is going to be probably another guy that I look at this week. Stanley's last three starts, T32, T18, and T36. He's 13th on tour this season in stroke stand approach, and he's 24th in greens and regulation. Um, I didn't. He. I don't think he plays in this event. I know he made the cut the year that the U.S. Open was at Pebble Beach. Uh, I don't, he doesn't play in this event much, but he's a great iron player. He's kind of one of those guys that just hangs around, and you're not going to be able to get crazy good value. I don't think for like a top 40. Um, I didn't write down actually what he was on DraftKings for. Oh no, you can't. So plus 120 for a top 40 for Kyle Stanley. He's a very good iron player. So I think that's going to be a good spot. We can attack for sure just because of his iron play. So he'll need to use the, he'll need to get the putter going a little bit, but I just think good enough iron player that you can come in the top 40 in this event. Cause they usually don't set pebble up super, super hard. And then you can kind of attack spyglass They're shorter golf courses. So you don't need to be crazy long. So I think with his iron play, he can definitely scratch out a top 40. And then Peter Malnati is the last guy that I kind of noted down just because haven't gotten a a real feel for the board yet, just because I need to see where they have the value. But that last guy that I have written down here, Peter Malnati, his last start with a T10 at the Farmers. And then at the Sony, he had another top 15 finish T14. He's currently 34th on tour in strokes gained approach. And then he hasn't had crazy success at this tournament, but last year he did finish T11. So right now he's plus 138 for a top 30. So for a good iron player like that, and he's one of these guys that kind of there's like four to like eight guys that kind of shine when the field is weaker, when there's not a bunch of the top players in the world. And Malnati is definitely one of those guys. So he kind of rises up when the field gets, you know, a little bit shorter. So I think that's great value for that kind of guy for a top 30 finish at plus 138. So he might be on the card 
come Wednesday. Um, another guy like Paul Casey should be a good target just because he's playing. He's very streaky, but he's playing well right now, especially coming off a couple high finishes on the European tour, including a win. You can get him at plus 164 for a top 10. But then once you get into a top 20 finish for Casey, he's minus money. So not huge value there. You don't go into plus money for a top 20 until you get to Jordan Spieth plus 125. And then again, like I don't think I trust Jordan enough yet. I haven't, I need to see it consecutive weeks in a row, right? I love the storyline. Like he's coming off a good week in Phoenix. He's returning to a golf course he's won at before. Can he keep it going? I just think, especially with the wind coming up, working through swing changes with bad weather, right? If the wind picks up off the coast, I think that could be a shit show for Spieth. But I mean, if you guys, you know, like Spieth enough coming off that performance in the desert, 125. Uh, Molinari is trending seriously in the right direction. His game is kind of coming back and he's one of those guys that just definitely strikes those irons. Great. He had a top 10 at the farmer's insurance open, um, T eight at the American express. So he's like playing very good golf. He might be somebody for sure to kind of get for a top 20. Uh, he's minus money for a top 30, but you can get him at plus 150 for a top 20. So that might be something to look into just because of how well he's playing recently. He's a good iron player, can kind of come together at Pebble for sure. The Aussie, Cameron Davis, who we bet on a couple of weeks ago, has plus 200 for a top 20. He's a good iron player. He's fantastic off the tee. It's just if you can make some putts. He almost hurt us a couple of weeks ago, but he barely squeaked in. I think I had him top, I think I had him top 40. Um, and he finished T38. So we'll see if that happens at all, but you can get him. Uh, Ricky Fowler is plus 250 right now. He hasn't shown me shit. He missed the cut again last week in Phoenix. I don't think I'm going to touch Ricky. Phil Mickelson is like the king of Pebble Beach. I also don't think I'm going to touch him. He's plus 250 for a top 20. I just don't, I don't know what lefty's doing. I just don't know where his game's at. It's tough to like trust Phil. He's just so streaky. Um, he made the cut at the Farmers, but you just never know. You never know with Phil. And then James Hahn is up there for uh, plus 275 for a top 20, which might be an interesting look just because he had a really good week in Phoenix, right? He was leading the golf tournament at some point, and then the pressure kind of just got to him, especially I think that was 15. He put it in the water. You can get him actually all the way down um, plus 138, I believe, for a top 30 finish. So I think that's some pretty good value, right? A guy coming off a good iron week. Um, good finish in a stronger field. Now it goes to a weaker field that Pebble Beach has been around a long time. I think that could be some pretty good value too. So if you guys go to top 30s, you guys can definitely find some value. Sam Burns is probably going to be somebody that I look at. Um, you can get him plus money for a top 30. He's playing really good golf right now and he looks huge. He's definitely hitting the ball a lot further than he used to. I know he's at plus 200 for a top 20. So it's going to be kind of one of those weeks. We're going to... I guess you could say we're going to gamble a little bit more than we usually gamble. You got to trust the smaller name guys to have good weeks. So Wednesday is going to be a big day. That's when everything comes out for Twilight Nine on twilight9.com. That's the betting article day. And then obviously the Twilight Nine card video comes out around like three or four on Wednesday. So you guys will have that forward to listen, uh, look forward to watching and listening to. But yeah, guys, that's it for the show this week. Um, remember for next week for the Genesis, make sure to DM me a uh, winner pick and you guys can be featured on the show. We're doing, if you get the winner right, you get a, a Twilight Nine hoodie shipped to you. So that's sweet. So make sure you DM me. Um, follow the show on Instagram at Twilight Nine Pod. My personal Instagram is at RileyHamill underscore. Feel free to DM me, you know, critiques on the show, whatever. And then we are actually headed, Twilight Nine is actually headed down 
to the Arnold Palmer Invitational in March, which is going to be super sweet. The PGA Tour is pretty strict on all the photo and video stuff that we can do, but I think we're going to do a little bit of like a little segment at the course somehow. So we got that forward to looking, uh, got that to look forward to, but a lot of stuff coming up this PGA Tour season. We're pumped for it. So follow all the Instagrams, um, share the show with anybody in your family that loves golf, loves betting, loves winning money, three straight weeks winning money. So we're looking forward to that, guys. Let's keep it rolling at Pebble, and I will talk to you guys later this week. Peace.